Welcome back to another episode of BC Buckets Podcast. I am joined here this week uh, by head men's basketball coach Mark Spaghera. I am Bobby Beach Patterson. Appreciate you guys uh, jumping along and listening here. Coach, how's the week been? How you doing? Well, it's, you know, good Monday, busy Monday. Uh, you know, good weekend and, and obviously looking to move forward here uh, into this week. So, yeah, things are good. Absolutely. How did the uh, how the weekend go? I know you're not an overly big NFL football fan, but uh, watch any games on Sunday or kind of watching film. Or what's your Sunday looking like? Um, man, I I watched film. Um, started to watch some Mal Marty film for this week, and this is uh, <clears throat> I'm on the national top twenty five rating committee. And this is a ranking week, so have some work to do for that. So stayed pretty busy and, uh, but no, I did not watch any NFL football. And I know a little bit from spending time with you, but I guess to kind of give some people some perspective um, in your role, head coach got Mount Marty, who we'll talk about here a little bit on Wednesday. When would you traditionally start watching film on them? Is it kind of, Hey, games done Saturday. I'm starting Sunday. Or do you maybe peek at them a little bit uh, Friday night? No, honestly, the way we, we kind of structure that with our staff is I'm, I'm going to be the last one who starts working on, on every team we play. You know, for example, like right now, this is Monday night. We play Wednesday night. I'm solely focused on Mount Marty. Coach Forbes is, is done with Mount Marty and ready to go there, working on William Penn for the weekend. Coach Saban, our grad assistant, is is probably done with William Penn and, and working on Dork for next week. So Coach Saban's always two games ahead. Coach Forbes is always one game ahead. And I I I won't I generally don't do anything until our our previous game is done. I won't start looking forward to it. Just I want my focus to be solely on that game and and that that's kind of how we structured it. It works out really well because, you know, I always tell those guys if there's something obscure that somebody's doing or something really different somebody's doing, you need to let me know as soon as you know, because we might need to, you know, plan something into practice to get a, little, a few extra reps. You know, for example, if a team plays a lot of zone, we need to know that. If a team presses a lot, we need to know that because that's that's something we don't see night in and night out in the G-Pack, and, and we're going to want to spend a little extra time on that. But, uh, you know, right now my, my sole focus is not Marty. And, you know, when it comes to G-Pack games, that's – we're, we're going to put everything into that one game because every, every game is so important. And, and in this league, as you know, every team is good and it doesn't matter what their record is. Um, everybody in this league can beat everybody else. And, and you, you want to make sure that we're as prepared as we can be. And then, you know, right now, you know, we're pretty much done watching film. It's, it's formulating game plan. How do we want to present that to our guys? What's the most effective way to, you know, get our guys to, to try to execute what we need to do. And so that's, you know, that's where we're at right now. That'll be our sole focus practice tomorrow. But that that's how we, we handle our scouting. Yeah, and you were talking about some games here. And we'll dive into last week's games. Start, uh, start off this last Wednesday, traveled down uh, to Mount Mercy. Uh, played a really solid and athletic uh, Mount Mercy team. Uh, I know they kind of, Mount Mercy got out of the gates pretty quick on you guys in the first half. Uh, had a little bit of a lead. Uh, and I know defensively in the second half, uh, kind of struggled to get that uh, that kind of costly kill, so to speak. And for those who don't necessarily uh, know yet, um, Briarcliff men's basketball, we 
get three scouts in a row. We refer to that as a kill. And I know you and I talking right before the, the podcast here saying I was, I was watching the game Wednesday night on my phone, just screaming at it, just going like, fellas, come on, get a kill. And just was tough to kind of get over that hump. But uh, uh, what were your thoughts uh, from Wednesday's uh, game against Mount Mercy here? Well, you know, it, it really disappointing start. We were, we were down 12 to two about four minutes in and, I think they scored six of their first seven possessions and we scored one of those. And I just, you dig yourself a hole like that. And it, unfortunately it's the second time it happened. It happened to Benedictine too. And, you know, you spend the whole game at that point, just fighting back. And, and we made a nice push. We, we took a, a lead in the first half and then they went on another run and ended up, you know, we're down 10 at halftime. We dealt with some foul trouble in the first half. But, uh, you know, outside of the first four minutes, we were pretty good offensively. You know, every statistic we use backs that up. We played a really good offensive game um, across the board. And, and, you know, individually, Kyle Warhave had a really good game. And, and Matt Stillwell off the bench had a huge game for us. He had 20 points. And, you know, those two guys really – you know, most of our offense went through them, particularly in the second half, because they had it going a little bit. But some of the things we really focused on was our transition D, we weren't very good. Rebounding the ball defensively, we weren't very good. And and like you said, we couldn't we couldn't string three stops together, which is what we really needed because we were scoring a lot, especially down the last 10 minutes of that game. And, you know, you get three stops in that, that span and you score a couple bucks, all of a sudden it's a different game. We just couldn't do that, and and when you're when you're not really solid in transition and you're giving up second chances, that's that's going to happen. You know, there were some possessions where we actually, I mean, we played good defense for a possession, and then it's like second chance layup and one. I mean, those those are just devastating, and you know the the moral of the story is, you know, you don't dig yourself that hole on the road. You got to be a little more locked in. You got to be make sure you're a hundred percent focused. On, on everything we had to do from the get-go. And, you know, that's something, you know, we're going to talk about Saturday. We, we bounced back and, and did that really well. But that's, you know, that's, that's going to be a focal point moving forward, um, making sure we're ready to go, making sure we're locked in defensively and, and we're executing on the offensive side. So, you know, some really good things came from it, um, particularly offensively. I think it, it maybe exposed a couple of things that we really needed to work on defensively. And, you know, the, the tough thing is when, you, you know, you play a Wednesday night and then you have a conference game on Saturday, you don't have a ton of time, you know, we, and we don't, we try to keep our guys fresh. I, I, I think we do a pretty good job of that. So Thursday practices aren't always all that intense. We'll get a lot of shots up. We'll get some five on O. We might get after it just a little bit. Uh, to start focusing on Saturday's opponent and then Friday's full preparation. And, and so we didn't have a ton of time to address some of the things, but, you know, as we talked about it, we watched it on film. And I, I think watching the film of that game, guys were probably frustrated. Guys were a little disappointed in, 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 in how we played. And, you know, I think sometimes that has a big impact. And so, you know, wasn't the end of the world. It, you know, it's a non-conference game. And, and I've always said if, if, if losing a non-conference game once in a while in any way, shape, or form 
at any point in the season helps you win a conference game, that's a trade I'm willing to make. I'd rather not lose. Um, but, you know, when it comes down to it, we, we want to win GPAC games. GPAC games are hard to win. And, you know, part of, part of the rationale for scheduling the way we did this year, you know, you look at who we played, and we've talked about it, but Indiana Wesleyan, Benedictine, IU East, Mount Mercy, Bellevue, those are our five non-conference games. Those are five good programs. Those are, you know, five good teams this year. And I wanted to put us through some adversity. I wanted us to be in tough situations because I don't want to walk into, you know, this past Saturday's game at Concordia and that'd be the first time we have a little adversity in games. The first time a team makes us an eight to two run in a short span on us. Uh, and, and that, in that regard, I think we, we accomplished our mission because, you know, I felt like we were prepared. I felt like our guys are battle tested and, and that's only going to help us throughout the GPAC season. But I think it's certainly helped us on Saturday. Absolutely. And, and I do want to jump into that. Uh, and like we said, first GPAC game uh, was this past Saturday at home in the New Flanagan Center against I mean, honestly, a really good Concordia team that brought back a lot of scoring and a lot of guys from their team last year who was really good, top half of the GPAC. And you you nailed it right on the head with all of our conversations with the tough non-conference schedule, preparing uh, the guys for the GPAC play. And it was none more prevalent and on display than Saturday. And we talked about it this weekend, texting back and forth a little bit. That's the one of the most dialed in defensive performances I've seen from a Briarcliff team uh, in the last few years. And, and I know only giving up 48 points to a Concordia team who's averaging, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe in the eighties for sure. Um, so far this year, that's a tough task. And when the guy's holding the 48 points, I mean, gotta be really happy with that. 47, Bobby. 47. Okay. My apologies. And holding on, in the forties had to be really happy with uh, the team's defensive performance for sure. Yeah. And you know, Bobby, I don't, I don't necessarily care about the actual point numbers. You know, I'm all about efficiency and, you know, Concordia came into that game offensively at 1.22 points per possession, which is next level elite. Um, you know, I always say the, the 20 was it 2016 warriors, we're at like 1.17 and Concordia came in at 1.22. I mean, it's off the charts from an efficiency standpoint and we held them to 0.78 and that's, you know, our, our guys were really bought in to the game plan. We made, we made a couple pretty big adjustments, frankly, from what we've been doing defensively for that game and guys bought into that guys executed. And I thought we played with an energy and, and a focus that, you know, maybe we haven't, we certainly haven't had for full 40 minute stretches. I think we've had it at times this year, but from the get go, our guys were locked in ready to play and we were making plays defensively. And, and, and frankly, you look at the game offensively, we weren't awesome. And that's the last couple of years, a game like that where we struggle a little bit offensively is probably a game we don't win. And, and so I think, I think our team took a big step forward. I think our team showed ourselves that, you know, we can win when we're not on our A-plus offensive game. We did some really good things, um, but, you know, didn't shoot a great percentage, turned it over too much. 
And, and so it was really fun. I, you know, to be back home was fun too. You know, we've been on the road a lot here recently and had a great student section. They were huge. They were loud the whole game. That's always fun to see, but uh, you know, hundred percent credit to our guys because we, we really challenged them, you know, throwing some new stuff at them on short notice, but really challenged them to, you know, Hey guys, this is now the time we need to put 40 minutes together. We need to play a complete game. And, you know, I think we showed, you know, what we are capable of. And now, now the big task for us is to do that consistently. You know, we, we talked a lot today and, and mentioned it in the locker room, even then we, we've set the bar high now. We can't lower it down. We, we have to keep pushing that up. And, you know, as you get further and further into conference play, that's just one game. We get further and further in. The scouting gets more in-depth. People are going to be more prepared for what you're doing, and, and we have to rise to that, to that challenge every single night um, in this league. Absolutely. And it's so awesome to watch because just from someone who maybe not knows the GPAC, they might walk into the gym and, and just look in warm-ups and say – and just see the, the size differential, so to speak, and be like, okay, well, just – Concordia might be able to pound it inside. And I know specifically there were so many times that um, there was Nick Hoyt guarding Gage Smith or, or, or something of that nature. And just having all the guys one through five on the floor buy in collectively to obviously we're like defensively, we're going to have some mismatches and things like that, but we're not even going to call them mismatches, so to speak, because one through five, we're going to battle, we're going to compete, we're going to help each other out and just finish it with, with a defensive rebound, which it's so humbling and awesome to see the guys buy into that too. And I know that we talked about it. A big part in the game that, that stuck out to me was 14 minutes left to go uh, in the game. Uh, there was a turnover. Concordia had, had numbers pushing. Uh, and we were able to, to scramble and match up. And the communication and the backside pursuit was just so fluent and so good to match up so well. And they ultimately took uh, a semi-contested uh, three-pointer, missed it. We got the defensive rebound and scored the next possession. And it just went, I was like, whoa, holy smokes. Like watching that the next day and things, that had to be, that had to be awesome because I know scramble drill is a huge thing for you guys, over-communicating, matching up. That was a big-time possession, I thought, for sure. That just kind of solidified how dialed in the boys were. Yeah, it was. It was actually one we watched on film today with the guys um, and, and something that we'd struggled with. You know, for through five games, we talked last Thursday after the Mount Mercy game, we had to get better transition defense. We had to had to get better defensive rebounding, and and sort of do both those things right away the next game. But but transition and rebounding were also huge keys for Concordia because they they're a really good offensive rebounding team, and they play as fast and run as hard in transition as as anybody will play, in my opinion. And and so you know they got a few here and there. We had a couple breakdowns, which you know you're not something that a team stresses and emphasizes so much like Concordia does their transition game, you're not going to shut them out. It's you have to take away part of it. And if they're getting 14 points a game and you can knock that down to eight or six, all of a sudden you're, you've done a pretty good job. And, and that's what we did. And, you know, like I said last week, and I'll probably say this every GPAC game, like there's good teams in this league and, and Concordia is really good. You know, that's a team that, that whooped Benedictine, a team that beat us. And a team that I would suspect is going to win a lot of games this year. So I I was really proud of our guys' effort. Um, You know, it was a really well-rounded team win. 
Um, you know, and Jaden Klein-Hesling had a great game offensively. Kyle Borhave had a good first half offensively. And, you know, they adjusted a little bit, made his touches a little bit harder in the second half. But I think, you know, you look at the stat sheets, and the big points are always going to stand out. But Quinn D.C. didn't shoot the ball well, had nine points, seven rebounds, five assists, five steals. I mean, that's, that's a good stat line. He was huge for us. And, and he's a guy that he brings a lot of positive energy to our guys. And, and I've asked a lot of him to, to bring that. And, you know, I put a lot on him to make sure our practices are competitive and, and we have high energy and, and our games are like that. And, and he's done a really good job with that. And that's, you know, something we're going to continue to lean on him for as we move forward. Absolutely. And, and, and yeah, big win from uh, the Briarcliff Chargers here this last Saturday, uh, defeating Cordy at home. First GPAC game of the year. And, and coach, we roll right into this week, another GPAC game coming up on Wednesday. Uh, first GPAC road game, and we know how tough it is to win on the road um, in the GPAC. Uh, going to Yankton, playing a Mount Marty team who may stumbled a few times here and there throughout the blocks to start the year, but a really good team. Uh, you guys are playing here on Wednesday. Yeah, they, uh, you know, they, they, they started off the conference with a loss down at Doan. Um, you know, Doan kind of got up early and, and, you know, just kind of, kind of led for, for most of that game. But, you know, Mount Marty presents some problems. They're big, they're long. Um, they shoot it pretty well and, and really aggressive defensively. And, uh, you know, you don't, once we start conference play, I stop looking at, non-conference records because I don't care you know it's, it's all about what you've done in the, in the in the g-pack and you know through one game it's hard to hard to do that but you know they they have a new coach this year so we're not super super familiar with what they're doing whereas Concordia you know they've kind of done similar stuff the last couple of years so we had a really good idea of, of what we wanted to do how we wanted to try to defend them and invite and, and on the flip side how we want to attack them from an offensive standpoint. Uh, with Mount Marty, you know, we don't, we just don't know him as well. New coach doing some different stuff, um, some new players out there, some some returning players. But uh, you know, that's a it's a program that over the last five six years has really turned it around. You know, they they really struggled for a long time there, and you know now here the last couple of years they've had a couple of really good seasons. You know, last year they went to the conference championship game in the tournament. And, you know, a lot of those guys are back. So they're, they're capable. They can score it. Um, and we're going we're gonna to be ready to go because you go on the road. I told the guys today, we don't, we don't have the, the student section behind us going nuts from the start of warm-ups all the way through the game. We have to create our own energy. And we, we have to bring that same locked-in performance, locked-in energy we brought Saturday and, and bring that on the road with us and be ready to go. Because if you don't on the road in the G-Pack, you're going to get beat. It's, you know, it's a stupid cliche in sports, but I think it's really true in our league because it's so good top to bottom. I think the coaching is really good across our league and, and every team has really good players. So we need to be ready to go. And the only thing better than starting 1-0 in GPAC is starting 2-0. So we're, that's what we're going to try to do on Wednesday. Absolutely. And, and a really good test for the guys for GPAC road game. That's Wednesday in Yankton. Women's game will tip off at 6, uh, followed by the men here at 745. And then, Coach, uh, talking about non-conference and, and tough games, and then you look at Saturday, uh, one of the last non-conference games you guys have, and you talk about long athletic teams who over the last few years have been really good. Uh, William Penn 
Uh, you guys are traveling to William Penn on Wednesday to take on uh, a really good basketball team uh, in them. Yeah, you know, look at the last five, six years, I would say. William Penn's definitely been one of the elite programs in the country. Um, we, we've not played them now for maybe six years, but it, it's a really fun place to play. It's not a big gym. They get good crowds. It gets really loud in there. Odds are it's going to be really high scoring. They play fast. They score a lot. Um, you know, they're, they're going to be very talented, very athletic. And, you know, they're a preseason top five team in the country. And, you know, this week's poll, probably higher than they were before. But, you know, again, it goes back to we, we want to test ourselves. We want to test ourselves against different styles. You know, we play in some, some different teams. You know, if, you know, you get later in the season, I, I don't want to be surprised by anything. And, and so the one thing we maybe haven't played is a super, super up-tempo, really high-possession game. And I, I would guess that's what's going to happen. Um, you know, as we already talked about, I haven't really watched much William Penn yet. Our assistant coaches have. But they have a lot of guys back from a, a Sweet 16 team a year ago. Um, you know, the conference player of the week in their, in their league this week. But it's, it's going to be a great test. It's going to be fun. And, you know, last time we played there, I'll never forget it because, I mean, both teams were top five preseason in the country, and, and we won down there. But it was, from the get-go, absolutely nuts in that gym. And so it, it's going to be a fun environment. It's going to be fun for the guys and, you know, a great test for us to, to – and another opportunity to get better. Now, that's what it's all about, especially in the non-conference. It's about getting better and preparing yourselves for the GPAC play down the road. Absolutely. And, and I do remember watching that game, actually, that you're referring to and. And correct me if I'm wrong, Coach, that was Clay Harold's senior year. Is that right? Yeah, it would have been your freshman year. And actually, Clay Harold got dunked on twice in the first possession. Start the game, yeah. The first one got called back because of the clock malfunction. And sure enough, about 15 seconds later, Clay got dunked on again. So that's, you know, of, of all the great things he did for our program, I think I'll always remember him most for getting dunked on twice in a possession at William Penn. Absolutely. And then obviously, as you mentioned, Clay got the last laugh by picking up a, a huge uh, win to start that senior year. And we all know uh, what a magical run that team had, but uh, yeah, this week, uh, two really good games here uh, for both men first GPAC road game Wednesday at Mount Marty women at six men at seven forty-five, uh, And then Saturday uh, the 20th, boys are traveling to uh, William Penn for a three o'clock tip off there. So if you can't make it out to either one of those games, go to bcuchargers.com uh, and make sure you watch those live as well. And now joining us on this week's podcast, special guest, senior men's basketball player from Alton, Illinois, uh, number 11, Sammy Green. Yeah. And, and, you know, before we bring Sammy on here, just, you know, Sam, Sammy's had a, a big impact on our team this year and, you know, a little history. Sammy played for us during the 18-19 season. He was a backup guard off the bench, and, you know, he was backing up Eric Erdman and Jay Wolf. so not a lot of minutes there, but but he had some big moments for us that year. And uh, Midway through his, his sophomore year, he decided to step away from the program, and then a year later came back and kind of spent second half of last year working himself back into shape not that he was – well, he wasn't in great shape, but just getting back into the field of playing basketball. And then this year, you know, he, he's had some big games for us. 
he really brings us a different element off the bench um, at the point guard position. He's definitely more of a true point guard um, than some of our other guys. But, you know, you look at the IU East game, I think he maybe scored two points. Uh, actually, I think he had three, but he had a huge impact on that game. He really kind of kick-started our offense. Indiana Wesleyan game, the first half hit three threes. And then, uh, you know, just this past Saturday, again, a game, I think he scored two, four points is all. But uh, he, he's had a big impact. And it's, it's been really fun watching Sammy mature um, over the years now and, and, and have a big impact on our team this year. So I'm excited to have Sammy on, and I'm sure he'll have some hot takes for us today. We are happy to be joined by senior men's basketball player uh, from Alton, Illinois, Mr. Sammy Green. Sammy, how's it going, man? It's good. How you doing? Doing good, man. Appreciate you taking some time here and joining the podcast. You, uh, you avid listener, I'm sure. Oh, yeah, every week. <laughs> so, uh, for those who know Sammy, Sammy, uh, back with the team uh, here this year. How do you think, personally, the year – uh, the start to the season has been going so far, preseason, uh, first few games. Kind of walk us through that here a little bit for yourself. Uh, it's been good, definitely, with uh, Kyle getting back established, you know, his freshman year. He's pretty pretty dominant, so it's good to see him going. And it's good for us to get a first GPAC win. And Jaden, you know, finally taking over, being our team leader. Q out there being a good team leader and just all the younger guys finally being juniors now, getting going and just good team wins. For sure, and yeah, I mean, we talked about it, but that big time uh, win against Concordia at the Newman Flanagan Center, first GPAC game of the year. From a player's perspective, we've talked about it, Coach and I. How do you kind of see it out with right away the the tough non-conference schedule playing these really good teams? How have you thought and, and think that those tough preseason games have helped you guys so far to this point? Uh, I think it's been really good for us. I mean. Playing against, you know, the Benedictines, the Indiana Westlands, the IU East, all of them, they're really good teams, national tournament-like teams, because our goals are to get to the national tournament. So to play teams of that caliber will always be good for us down the road, just being in those positions, playing against those better teams. And I know for you personally, having the likes uh, since you've been at Briarcliff, had a chance to have some really good teammates, obviously, like you mentioned, a few of them now. Uh, Hugh. Uh, Jane Klein-Hessling, Kyle Borhave, Jackson Lamb, uh, Jay Wolf, Eric Erdman. How do you think that having those guys, your teammates, having those competitive practices has really developed your game uh, kind of both on and off the floor? Um, on the floor, it's been really good. I mean, even coming back last year, being on the scout team, you know, just getting back in the groove, going against guys like Jaden every day and Friedel and even Garden fast players like Will every single day. It helped me and Kyle out a lot to get back into the ease of things this year. And then freshman year, I mean, guarding Jay Wolf, who everyone knows who Jay Wolf is, that can do nothing but make you better. So, and then off the floor, you know, they're just great role models, especially Eric and Jay Jackson. All those guys were great role models for me coming right into college. Just seeing those people, how they handle themselves off the court. Is always a good way and a good people to look up to. Absolutely. And I know this year's team uh, has had a chance to play with some of those great players, had that competitiveness, and that's really driven them. From a player's perspective, what, what's this team's ceiling this year? Where do you guys see yourself going? Obviously, I know the goal is to get to the national tournament. Uh, what's the ceiling for this team this year? 
Uh, ceiling for this team is as high as we want it to go. I mean, Saturday we've shown how good we can be. Um, and then other games we've shown how bad we can be. So, I mean, as good as we want to be, I feel like we can reach that level. We're all a collective unit. We're a real tight group of guys. And we all have been playing with each other for three years now. So we know how we are on and off the floor. And if we want to get to that point, then we easily can get to it. It's just the work we put in to get there. Absolutely. And, and anyone that knows Briarcliff basketball and knows all the offensive efficiency uh, and things of that nature. But I know I haven't crunched a whole lot of numbers, but people can just visually see the numbers defensively on the side of the ball uh, and also box scores and, and here and there. How big of a stress is that in practice with the competitiveness? And, and what would you say a big turning point is, is this year so far for this team with being so uh, locked in and teed up by the defensive end and just being able to flat out guard one through five? Uh, well, I mean, coach may disagree, but we try to be as good as we can defensively and especially keeping stats in practice. I mean, you know, you never want to walk into practice and see yourself on the bottom of the win-loss column. Every drill, you know, you want to win the drill. You want to be competitive. You want to make those plays in practice because then it'll just easily go flow right into the game of things. If you're making those plays in practice, it'll come like secondhand nature during the games. For sure, yeah, and I know in the, the competitiveness in practice with the win-losses and, and all the stabbing uh, that goes on in practice, I know that's a huge deal. Um, for for those guys in this year's team, would you say that kind of day in and day out, guys are going to the locker room, uh, going to practice, kind of looking over their shoulder at that win-loss column going, all right, I mean, he's above me, um, here damn win-losses, I'm going after him. Or How would you think the team kind of handles that this year and goes about that in practice? Oh, yeah. I mean, for myself, for example, I looked at my thing last week. And I noticed that I was uh, in the middle of the pack. And then I look up at the top and there's guys like Kyle and Jaden. And then you, you translate that to the game. They've been the ones dominating for the most part. So then you want to go after them and practice, get some of those wins. And on days when we have a JV game, we don't really have a lot of guys with us. So then it's just we go at each other all day, the same group of guys. And you try to get those wins so you can keep going up. And I know going going to you personally here, um, what would you say a big thing for you is? I mean, having that, that role where you're coming off the bench, giving some really big uh, minutes and, and those energy plays, whether it be a tip pass, dive on the floor here and there, getting defensive rebound, pushing the ball in transition, making a big assist. What would you say a key factor it is that you're looking for on the bench right away to help you kind of feel and get into the game until you actually do check in? Yeah, one of the things I look for is, you know, if I feel like the offense is playing too slow. I try and get in there and push the ball up, get some shots for some guys that can that have have been feeling it, you know. For example, the IU East game, Hoyt had his breakout game of the year, so I tried to feed him the ball some more. I noticed Kyle's doing well, and he's still in when I get in. I try to get some post touches for him defensively, you know. I do what I can, but offensively, you know, I really try to get the offense going as well as they can go. And I kind of want to transition with this next question here. So uh, not too often uh, are you going to look at a Briarcliff men's basketball roster and see uh, maybe a name from, from Illinois and that area down there. So I guess for the people who don't know kind of how Sammy Green got, got to the cliff, kind of walk us through that. How did you first hear about Briarcliff? What was that transition like in high school until you finally actually got to campus for that first time? 
Yeah, well, both my parents went to Briarcliff, and I honestly really didn't have anything to do with why I came, but it was just in the back of my mind knowing that I can always reach out to them and send some stuff. But correct me if I'm wrong, I think you saw me at an AAU tournament in Kansas or something like that? Yeah, if, if we really go back, um, you know, your junior year of high school was my last year as the assistant coach. And, and your dad had reached out to Coach Nelson and I. Um, and, you know, sometimes you, you take it with a little bit of a grain of salt, like, okay, this is an alum, you know, he's going to push his son. That's all good. We'll look at him. And then, you know, got some film, saw what, saw what Sammy could do a little bit, and then um, just kind of started the process there. And then, yeah, that summer uh, when I took over as head coach before your senior year, I saw you in Kansas City somewhere at an AAU tournament, and uh, you, your dad was pretty good about sending film, uh, you know, because you played a lot of tournaments that were out of the, the area we would go to normally, but did have a chance to see you. And, and so, you know, I just, you know, you, I saw what, you know, we've seen on the floor. Sammy has an act to make plays. Sammy can make shots. Um, you know, definitely a – traditional style point guard in my opinion and uh you know didn't hurt that you for a couple of years played with an NFL defensive end that you could throw lobs to in high school but uh yeah that that was kind of how it started and then I think if, if memory serves me you and your dad came up for a visit early in your senior year and then came back for a game later on and then uh Sammy had one of the most nonchalant commitments to Briarcliff of all time. He, uh, I think, I think it was the day of your first game, your senior year of high school. And, and I had sent you a text in the morning and said, Hey, good luck tonight uh, on your season opener. And Sammy's response was, I got it when I got out of practice that night. It was, Hey, thanks coach. Oh, Hey, by the way, I'm going to come to Briarcliff. We can talk about it later though. <laughs> Pretty much sums it up right there. I mean, we came up for the game, and, and I actually stayed with uh, Webner and Jackson and, they, and Conyers, John Conyers. They took me to Applebee's, and then after that, was a, I had the meeting with the coach, and then I went back that Sunday, and then I think it was literally that Monday that I Yeah, I think it was. Um, but, yeah, it was, you know, from, from my perspective, and nothing against Sammy, but that's, it's just an area we don't generally recruit um, and wouldn't have had, had his dad – not reached out and you know Sammy's dad is a longtime coach um you know so he kind of knew how the process works and you know how small colleges especially like ours recruit where we don't we don't venture outside of our region a whole lot and so obviously it's been a good thing and you know it leads me leads me to another question so Sammy you know you took a, a little sabbatical from the program um and actually left and and came back you know what What's been different for you the second time around? And, you know, how have you changed as a player or how have you changed with your approach to things? Because I've seen it, but, you know, from your perspective, what do you think? Yeah, I just feel like I've matured and being 18 and the only person that can't just get in their car and drive home on a weekend. Not saying that I haven't done it because I have, but eight-hour drive is not as fun as a one-hour drive. And, you know, just those long nights in the dorm and then especially being on varsity is a lot of pressure, which, I mean, I want, that's what everyone, every kid's dream is to be on varsity as a freshman and then the Christmas break happened and then freshman year was over. 
I came back sophomore year and then we started off good and things were going bad. And then I was just feeling like, yeah, I just miss home. Then I got home and I realized I miss my boys. I miss college and then just matured a lot. And then I took a year off and I think I needed that basketball wise and mentally wise. And then I came back and I realized this is exactly where I wanted to be. So it's been, it's been a great return. And now I live with Jaden, Kyle and RJ. And those were the guys that I started with. And I'm glad to be finishing with them. And just overall, what's been different, honestly, is just an attitude. An attitude can go a long way and just being bought into the program and bought into the campus and bought into Sioux City and all, everything that comes with it. So, Yeah, and I know, and I've, I had a chance uh, and the privilege of, of my senior year was your freshman year, so I had the chance to, to be around you for that entire season, had some, uh, had some good stories and, and some times there. Uh, how would you say – just because <laughs> I've seen, I mean, uh, you had the, the chances of uh, having some senior leaders and stuff, and some of those senior leaders are uh, still some good friends of yours. How big and important is it uh, for you, would you say, to right away when you got to college, yeah, it's a new environment. You're not close to home anymore to get that kind of senior uh, leadership and, and that friendship. Yeah, it, it definitely played a big part. I mean – me and uh, Jeff Dobbington hit it off literally the first day of school, my freshman year, who was a senior. So that was kind of my senior role model friend, I guess you can say. And we hung out a lot. So that helped a lot because he knew the ways of the school and around the city, showed me a lot of things. And then that goes back to the last questions. And he left and then I kind of just felt lost because freshman year, I kind of was just like a follower in a sense. You know, I didn't get anything established for myself. And then as I get older now, I realize like, you know, I'm 22 years old. I I'm, I'm, I can be by myself. I can be far away from home and I can do it on my own. And, you know, I hope I'm that for somebody as a freshman, even though I'm not the most outgoing person. But, you know, I think having a good senior friend as an incoming freshman, especially if you're not super close, is very important to having good happiness and good experience, at, not just here, but anywhere in college. Yeah, and you, and you kind of touched uh, with my next question here for you. So with you being uh, part of the program, obviously knowing expectations and the culture and the tradition, with you being an upperclassman now, what is it that you're kind of looking to maybe bring to those those underclassmen who maybe haven't fully uh, gotten to that uh, realization of Briarcliff basketball and that tradition that we were talking about? Yeah, you know, one thing I always tell them is you're only going to be in college once, you know. I kind of learned that the hard way, even though I still was in college, I was just living at home and it was during the COVID time. So I really didn't have any friends, but you just take these moments and enjoy them because before you know it, they're going to be gone. I mean, here I am now 22. It feels like literally yesterday I was a freshman living in total. So I always tell them to cherish every moment you get and really just go, go about a hundred percent every day. Cause once it's over, it's over. Absolutely. And, and I know talking to Jeff Dobinson, this is going to bring me into a, to another question, trying to, or kind of getting away from what we were talking about. So I would say that in the last few years, a lot of guys on the team have kind of gotten into the gaming realm of, of whatever game it is. Who, who's the best gamer on the team? Excluding it's, yourself, of course. Uh, I'd go with Marco. Uh, me and Marco, you know, we were the gamers. And – Marco still games every day. I kind of taken a step away, but Marco's still definitely a hardcore gamer, so I would give it to him. 
and it's definitely not Kyle if that was going to be a question. Kyle is pretty bad. So, All right, so you, you got the road trips and everything, so the road trip to Indiana Wesleyan and whatnot. Those road trips can't, can't take your gaming console or anything. How, how do you go about road trips? Are you one of those guys that jumps into the card games? Are you not the card player? Kind of, What's that like for Sammy Green? Uh, well, I was on, I'm on the other bus, so what we kind of do, we just – Every, a lot of people go to sleep, but I have I struggle sleeping on buses. So what I do is I kind of just watch Netflix or I just talk to Marco. We sit right next to each other and we just make jokes for 10 hours straight on the way to Indiana. All right. So, you know, we've talked about Marco. And for those who don't know, Marco Balderas, one of our, our student coaches. And, you know, you've been around long enough. Sam, you've been around quite a few different student coaches. So... You know, who was the best? Who's been not so good? You know, our, our co-host here was obviously one of them your your senior year. But you've had you've had Bobby, Ethan, Sakura, Brady, Marco, Pewok, and, and Tom. So wh- what do we got? Where are we at with our student coaches? Uh, best, you know, obvious answer has got to be Ethan. He's top tier. <laughs> I would put Bobby up there, but he did skip a scrimmage for a concert, so it kind of knocks him down below. Um, I would say, you know, Margo. Are you still holding on to that? You know, that's inexcusable. Can't miss. Can't be missing. Let it go. (laughs) I would say Marco's up there. I feel like he's a little underappreciated, but uh, Marco, Tom, Ethan, Bobby, those guys, M. Brockhouse, Brady, he's pretty good too. All those guys are top tier. What makes a good student coach in, in your eyes? Uh, you know, having everything ready, uh, no no fooling around, and uh, not not messing up the scoreboard during drills. And I do know there was one time that uh, I completely fumbled um, in the the food side of things. Shocker there, one but time. with Sammy specifically. <laughs> we it was national tournament our senior year. And we just got done beating West Virginia Tech in the Elite Eight or the Sweet 16 game. And correct me if I'm wrong, Coach, but were we the last game of the night that day? Yeah, day it, it was real late when we got back to the hotel. It, it, it was midnight. It might not have been quite midnight, but it, it was getting close for sure. Yeah, and we still obviously needed to feed the guys. So I know uh, – Former player and coach Austin Leffler and I were in charge of running a McDonald's and, and getting food for the guys. And for people who don't know Sammy, Sammy is very particular about what can and cannot touch or be on his burger. And me not even thinking about it, just ordered all quarter pounders just the same way. And uh, he, he's got to have it plain. And, and I completely forgot about that. We got back and, and I felt terrible. I kind of I heard about it, not from Sammy, um, but definitely heard about it. Complete fumble on my end. So, I guess, Sammy, wh- what's the deal with the burger situation? Why has it got to be plain? Uh, I don't know. Just woke up one day when I was probably like five or six and just said, all condiments got to go. Eat everything plain. If it's a salad, just straight lettuce. If it's chicken tenders, just Eat them plain, no dipping sauce. The only thing really that sauce will be on is if I get like hot buffalo wings. That's about it. Burgers, completely plain, just bun, meat, and cheese. There's no explanation for it. Just woke up one day and decided that's it, and now I'm too scared to try anything. 
And I mean, we have a rule. It's like Sammy Green rule because of this, you know, flash, flashback to first game of your freshman year at presentation. Sammy was prepared to not eat afterwards at Culver's. And, and I, I looked him in the eye. I said, Sam, are you serious? You're not going to eat. It's like a four and a half hour drive home. He said, yeah, I'll be okay. So we went up, got him a plain cheeseburger. And ever since then we've ordered everything plain, but you know, in Sammy's defense, I'm a plain cheeseburger eater myself. You know, it's good enough. You don't need to, to defile it with, with ketchup or pickles or any of that disgusting stuff. And, you know, those of you, Bobby, that like weird stuff on your burgers, you can always add it. But once it's on, you can't take it off. You can say you can scrape it off, but it seeps into the bun. It gets on. It's, it's no good. So I don't know why I didn't do that sooner. But uh, the Sammy Green rule is, is, has been a good rule for our program. And I, I honestly didn't know that, Sammy, about the complete and utter hatred, so to speak, for condiments. So buffalo wings is the only thing that you'll have, like, condiments on. Is that right? Yeah, basically. Like buffalo sauce on chicken. Yeah, chicken wings. Okay, so when you go to B-dubs, it's just straight sauce, no dipping it or anything? Yeah, like if I go to B-dubs, usually I get the dry rub, lemon pepper, just the seasoning. Oh, <laughs> I did not know that. I, I honestly, to this day, I thought it was just burgers. But, but yeah, I completely forgot, Coach, that we do, in fact, the Sammy Green rule. I forgot all about that. Yeah, and, and, you know, you're not the only one because Tom Hensley, one of our other student coaches, I don't know who's pickier between you two because I watched Thomas open a burrito from Cadoba that he got salsa on and pick out every tiny piece of onion and pepper in that salsa. And uh, I sat with them for everybody else left. It was a break meal and everybody else left. And I sat with them while he ate. It took him like 30 minutes to eat the thing because he was going to pick out everything in the salsa. Did he just completely forget that he ordered it or they just throw it on there on accident? No, some of the other guys like kind of talked him into trying it. It didn't go well. All right, so I got, I got one last question for you, Sam. This is something I ask a lot of the guys when they come on, especially those who I know they're high school coaches. So you and I had a, a conversation pretty recently, actually. And I, I don't know what brought it up, but you said you found it weird uh, when coaches sit down at all during games. And, you know, I kind of laughed about it because obviously I don't sit down. And you said, well, my dad coached me and then Coach Medford and then you. And, uh, you know, I think we decided you kind of went from maybe nut job to nut job to nut job there. But uh, when, when, when all three of those mentioned are fired up, when you look back at it, who's the funniest? Like not in the moment, but when you take a step back and think, man, that was kind of funny what Coach did. I got to say it's tied between you and my dad. Coach Medford doesn't really have any, you know, you have your foot stomp or the couple times the coat throw. But my dad and you, the guys are some good ones. My dad, his signature is just a straight haymaker to the air or just a drop, drop on his knees with the hands over his face. And, you know, you got your foot stomp, even though it's not as loud anymore because no more dress shoes. And 
and the, your your thing, uh, I don't even, you probably didn't even notice it, but the best part about the Saturday game is the box out foul. I think you li- literally boxed out the air all the way to about half court circle, <laughs> and, like just sitting on the bench and watching you. I was surprised you didn't get a warning or a technical because I swear you were completely on the court. And you and my dad have moments like that every single game, so I gotta say it's a good tie. I like it. If I'm being mentioned with Lee Green, I'm I'm good with that. So on last week's podcast, it was brought up that Coach Figuera jumped into some five-on-five drills on Tuesday's practice. Give us a scouter report and what that was like. Um, well, we called an ISO for Kyle before we knew that Coach was going to jump in and guard, and it just so happened that it became an ISO, Kyle versus Coach, and Kyle handled it pretty well. <laughs> then he got Max, there's no help defense, so – I got to say the scouting report is just whoever coaches guarding, give them the ball and then get out the way. That's only half the game, Sammy. He did hit a three in Nate's face. Yes. Uh, so I'll give that one to you. And? I don't know what the and is for. I don't remember anything. Else. Well, I dropped like three dimes from the pinch post. You know, it's not my fault. BC can't catch the ball. And it's not my fault, guys. You know, I put the ball in the shooting pocket, and they miss an open three. I I can't help that. I'll, I'll make it rain out there from the pinch post, and you know it. All right. Well, Sammy, uh, really appreciate you taking a little bit of time here, joining Coach and I. Once again, Sammy Green, uh, senior basketball player from Illinois. Uh, appreciate the time here, Sammy. Good luck the rest of the year, man. Thanks. Thanks, Sam. All right, Coach, now I want to transition into a listener question uh, coming in here. Uh, and I'm also curious about this myself, just after watching the, the coaches uh, from each team for the, the rest of the season and obviously the years of being in it. But do you think the casual shift uh, in coaching attire is a good thing for the sport? I know that lately you've been rocking the polo. You used to be a, a big-time suit guy, especially the gray suit. How has that transition been? Do you think it's a good thing? Well, yeah, everything's cyclical. And, you know, at some point, suits are going to come back. I've actually really enjoyed it. Um, it's a little more comfortable, especially, you know, wearing, wearing tennis shoes has been big for me because I still stomp my foot, but it doesn't hurt my foot. You know, tennis shoes are a lot more forgiving than dress shoes are. So I like it. You know, not everybody is, is doing it. Um, you look across the NBA, it's pretty much unanimous. College basketball, I, I would say probably 80% of, of coaching staffs have gone casual in some way, shape, or form. So I'm sure it'll come back at some point, but I, it's good for the game. I don't know. And, you know, it's, it's funny. I've, I've, I've always wondered, why do baseball coaches wear a baseball uniform? And football coaches have always kind of worn polos and basketball coaches wore suits. Like, how, how did this start? Um, you know, like what, what, what would happen if we wore a uniform like baseball coaches do? Well, well like I, I guess a follow. I, I do more bicep workouts probably. Well, I guess a follow-up question to that is you think about it now that I guess we can talk about the Sioux City ones, but our college town Goodwills, is their suit selection just off the charts now with the transition to the, the casual attire or what's I, going on? I can't answer that. I haven't gotten rid of any of mine. Um, you know, like I said, it's going to come back at some point. So, you know, I'm not going to jump the gun and just get rid of all my suits. 
I've, I've still got them all. All right, now we're going to slowly transition into the, the life rule. And, Coach, this is coming from, uh, obviously, everyone knows, big guy uh, from the show, helped start it out, Matt Gall. And his question is, do homeowners have a responsibility to clear leaves off of their yard in the fall? And if not, does it become a responsibility when the leaves start to blow and they get into the neighbor's yard? Well, yeah, you should, you should take care of your leaves. I do it the lazy way and mow them up. I don't rake. Um, you know, we only have one tree that drops leaves, but I, my neighbor's trees drop a bunch. And, yeah, I, I mow them up a couple times and, and call it good. I can't say that I get every single one of them. Some people do, but you don't want to just leave them all out. And, you know, I know where Goal lives. He's probably got leaves on leaves on leaves. But, uh, Matt, you probably need to get out there and, and get your leaves picked up. Don't 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 wait for the wind to blow them to your neighbor's yard so they have to do your work for you. And for the record, he did follow that up and say he does not understand people who insist on cleaning all of the leaves off of their yard. So 100% that uh, that's definitely him. He's probably got leaves galore. For sure he does. So now, Coach, uh, time for uh, a little shout-out section. And I know you've, uh, you've got a shout-out here this week. So how about you kick us off? Yeah, uh, big shout out to our junior varsity team. Uh, just here in the last couple hours, got their first win of the year, um, dropped their first couple games. And uh, so to, to see them get a win tonight was great. One big over at Iowa Central. And, uh, you know, they've gotten absolutely gotten better each game they played. And it's going to be fun to watch those guys moving forward here this season. Yeah, and my shout-out is for uh, women's soccer coach, uh, Coach Charleston. Uh, I had the privilege of knowing him. And him and talking a few times when I was down at Briarcliff, he's taken over the reins uh, for Coach Paul Cox, who has been on the show um, as a guest once here. Uh, they just, for the first time in women's program history, won the GPAC uh, tournament championship. So huge shout out to them. Excited to see uh, their draw here in the national tournament and seeing uh, how deep a run they can make. So uh, shout out to him and the entire women's program. That's uh, that's big time. Yeah, and they, uh, I, I second that for sure. You know, two straight years going to the national tournament um, after after never go, going in the history of the program. Um, they just found out today they play down at Oklahoma Wesleyan here later this week. So best of luck to them as, as they get into uh, national tournament play. You know, we, we've been there, Bobby, both of us, and they're nothing better. You know, you get to that point, everybody wants to advance. But man, you get to experience that. It's 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 pretty dang special. So, if any of the uh, ladies on the team or Coach Charleston's listening, enjoy it. Should be a, a heck of a time for you. Absolutely, I know one of the best times for sure. National tournament, for, absolutely. So, well, that's going to do it here for this week's uh, episode of BC Buckets Podcast. Just another reminder: this week, uh, Briarcliff men's basketball. In action, Wednesday, first road game uh, in the GPAC for the men and women. Women tip off at 6, men follow right after that at 745 uh, in Yankton, South Dakota for that one. If you can't make it, please check it out, bcuchargers.com. That'll be live streamed. Uh, and then Saturday, men are on the road traveling to uh, William Penn for a 3 o'clock tip off there. So make sure you check both of those out. Coach, two really tough games again this week. Uh, Got to do one at a time, GPAC road game here on Wednesday. Uh, best of luck to you. Really looking forward to see how the guys continue to grow here, especially in a tough, another tough week. Thanks, Bobby. We'll talk to you next week.